Hi, my name is Kristen, and I love chugging red wine straight out of the bottle and taking long walks on the beach. And welcome to the Red Rum and Red Wine Podcast. guys what is up welcome back to the shit show that is this show my name is Kristen and that is where Sarah would be introducing herself but she's not here Uh, if you do not know now you know Sarah was feeling a little under the weather this weekend she caught a little something something so I did announce on Twitter that we would not be posting on Friday but you would be getting something a little special. And here it is. So if you are not already, please make sure to follow us. Instagram and Twitter are all linked down below so you can keep up with the latest and greatest in our lives. And yeah, also be sure to wish Sarah some get wells. We will be right back at you next week. Sarah will be telling her story on Wednesday and it'll be some good stuff. So Yeah, let's get it going. For the first time ever, I had a thought and I wanted to do something about it. It's shocking, I know. So Sarah and I had a segment that we had been tossing around, thinking about doing, maybe throwing it on a Patreon page if we ever got around to setting one up. But I thought, why not do a little test ride into the making a little test ride and y'all be our guinea pigs so it is my honor to pronounce hopefully i don't budget up enough without sarah but dang it i'm already budging it up okay so i would like to present to you the same red rum and red wine taste that you love with a little dash of history We're presenting Drunk Mysteries in History. Okay, but yes, the idea did come of the more morbid things that have happened in the past. And though it is a little harder to do research on, it is just as interesting to read. And speaking of, have you ever heard of Meriwether Lewis? Well, yeah, don't worry, because neither have I. But don't worry, because you know what you probably have heard of? Lewis and Clark. And you know what? Apparently it's the same freaking thing. So grab a drink, because I do not feel like drinking alone tonight. And I've already had a Kristen-sized glass while preparing these notes right before this recording, so you know it's about to be a ride. So I'm sorry if I'm not the favorite of the two, but just know, Sarah, close your ears. I'm the funnier one. All right, so before we really get into this, I just have to give a little ASMR warning. So, little disclaimer. This episode is recorded and read by an extremely drunk person. All facts and statements should be double verified before you go telling your friends how smart you are just by listening to this. Resources and real knowledge that I learned but did not say will be linked down below. Did we like that? 
Yeah, yeah. I I thought it would be good because um yeah, about halfway into ending these notes, I was about uh well, I was just kind of doing to the keyboard it, it was really yeah i don't know if i'm going to be able to decipher them but it's going to be fun we're going to figure out together we are going to start where the mystery begins so it <laughs> actually before we start this i want to start a drinking game because i edit this show and i actually uh, realized that i do this a lot anytime the word so is said i want y'all to take a sip because I want y'all to be as shit-faced as I am by the end of this, okay? Let's get into it. So, we're starting on October 11th, 1809, and there is a guy found dead from multiple gunshot wounds, and he's at Grinder's Stand. Now, this is Semin on the Nanchez Trace, and it's 70 miles southwest of Nashville. So, by the time that people get there and they're able to officiate the body, they are, or they discover that this guy is 35-year-old Mayweather Lewis. You know, the guy that just went on that three-year expedition, like, everyone in town fucking knows him. He was pretty easy to identify. But the one question was, did he kill himself or was it murder? Which... I'm sorry, can we just talk about how real quick, if my history teacher would have told me this, I probably would have learned a lot more about the Lewis and Clark expedition. Because if you are anything like me, you don't remember shit. So real quick, we're going to backtrack. Captain Mayweather Lewis and President Thomas Jefferson, newly appointed President Thomas Jefferson, you know, the guy on the... God, is he on the $5 bill? He's on something. He's on some type of currency. That dude and him, they were besties. Like, they got it. They knew each other. They were like me and Sarah. And it was great. And Jefferson, when he got appointed to be president, he looked over at Lewis and he said, yo, come on, bestie. Hop on this gravy train. Come be my first in command. I'll give you the leisurely life that you deserve. In fact, you want leisure, I got leisure for you. You are going to be the leader of the Corpse of Discovery expedition into this new territory that I just purchased, you know? Well, I mean, if you are me, then you don't know. But the Louisiana Purchase that we just made from France that we acquired in 1803. Thank you, Wikipedia. So Thomas Jefferson gives Lewis this job. And of course, Lewis has another bestie. So like our girlfriend, Jenny, she was hanging out in Wyoming and she didn't know what she was going to do for the winter. So we said, hey, we're going to go on this great expedition and you're going to come along with us. And she said, "Okay, great. So Sarah went to the government and got all the funding Sarah, a.k.a. Jefferson, got all the funding. It was like roughly two thousand five. $500 back in the day, which I think was like 50,000 current time, give or take a few thousand. I don't know. I'm like roughly remembering from my brain and she's fuzzy. So they give them the money and they basically say go. And sexist people never said anything about Sacagawea. So they went with Sacagawea. She knew the land. She knew all the work. So she took them on that little journey from the St. Louis to the Pacific and back. And 
Yeah, it was pretty much a great time. Lewis was honestly a good homie. He was the one that was technically in charge. And though Clark never had like a official title of captain, he was just seen as like a lieutenant or something or other. Clark, or not Clark, sorry, Lewis would call him captain in front of everyone to kind of like give him the same so everyone would like look at him equally. So he just did some like genuine shit. He wasn't being like one of those egotistical captains that you think you would see like, oh, hmm, yes, I discovered this all on my own and life is great because I exist and I am here and that is the only reason. So this whole thing takes place from May 1804 all the way up until September of 1806. So it takes like almost three years. And once they get back, they're praised. It is the best thing since sliced bread. I don't know if sliced bread was invented at this point, honestly. But Lewis was appointed the second government of Louisiana Territory in 1807. He was given 1,600 acres of land, which I thought four acres or whatever was a lot. Like, holy cow. That's a big ass piece of land. Whatever Jefferson had promised to pay him straight up gave him twice was like, here you go. Here are all the fucking money bags. And he had an arrangement with like the fucking National Geographic magazine of the time to publish the discoveries that he had made on his like corpse trail. The corpse of discovery trail. I now in retrospect see that that sounds bad. I'm sorry. So you hear all of the success that you just had. He had. And I know what you're thinking. You're fucking jealous because he's so successful. It happens all the time. You see your friend getting that promotion. You're like, oh, that dude. Come on. I could use the bonus. I work hard. Yeah, I know. I take a nap on the toilet every now and again. But hey, productivity. I work twice as hard once I get back to my desk. But whatever. It's fine. They're being successful. But you don't know what's happening behind closed doors because guess what? Lewis was actually said to be incredibly depressed and he would uh, (laughs) and would suffer through periodic spells of what he would call melancholy or I guess people would call melancholy. If you think that people don't understand mental health now, then I mean, I really don't know what to tell you for the 1800s. It was pretty much non-existent. Like, I don't know. I could look up what melancholy means, but I'm pretty sure it's something similar to not happy. So yeah, it was just like they would have given him a lobotomy pretty much. It's weird. They just kind of ignore it. It's like that's how people are. People are whatever. But it's kind of actually said that he may have had some uh, mental health issues. Jefferson and Clark, his two besties, would actually attest to the fact to this that like he wasn't well you know what I mean (laughs) oh god I feel like I'm that drunk girl at a party I'm so sorry so Jefferson had reported that Lewis's family actually had a history of what we believe to be bipolar disorder now or like from reading what Jefferson was described we would say that it would be bipolar yeah that one since his youth So uh, Clark actually backed up this statement by saying that like Lewis would have bouts of euphoria and then like really deep bouts of depression. And he had actually become heavily in debt. He drank like a sailor and was 
possibly using opium to, I guess, try and cope with everything that was going on. And I mean, Clark was not wrong. You could see the actual historical trail of kind of Lewis's life going to shit. Uh, He discovered that the politics life of the governorship uh, actually came with a lot of enemies and the power struggle kind of wasn't worth it to him. And uh, the government that had given them the funding to go on the trail was actually asking for more detailed documentation, kind of like being sus as to all of the funding that they were asking. And basically, if Lewis couldn't give this evidence of all of the money that they needed for the trail, he would have to repay it back. And if he had already gone into debt with the funds that he had gotten from the trip, then yeah, I mean, I guess that would definitely make someone depressed. And on top of all of this, he is getting a lot of pressure from close friends and family. The uh, scientific and geographical information that he and Clark had gathered on their expedition were to be published in that scientific geographic that was happening back in the day. And Lewis was being the ultimate procrastinator and did not want to give it up. I mean, Jefferson was basically on his beck and call behind his back being like, yo, what the fuck is going on? Maybe do your job and work for that 50000 that we gave you and give us some information. But nothing happened. And a lot of what Lewis was said to be feeling was failure over the whole expedition itself. Like from my drunk readings, he, the whole point of the expedition was to find a waterway through like to the specific ocean. So it would be a great commuting channel and they were never able to find it. And even though you're able to go on the list and find all of the great monuments and they were like the first people to walk into whatever my mom was telling me. And... (laughs) Sorry, mom, I ignore you. But it's just, even though he had all of this great success with the Discovery expedition, he still felt immense failure. Uh, It was the Northwest Passage to the Pacific. Yeah, so that was the mission's primary goal. Sorry, I just looked at my notes. (laughs) And the system of trading posts that they had actually established once the expedition was done had actually started to fall apart. So it seemed like the three years they had they had been out on the trail in really hard terrain, sometimes dealing with hostile na- Native Americans, like possibly at death at any moment. No, I'm being dramatic. <laughs> it's just like they had some close calls and obviously you're out in the wilderness for three years. Like that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of stress. You don't know what's going to happen. And for all of that to feel like it's being for nothing, like my college degree, I understand that. I feel that on a deep level. We're homies in the depression sense. I get it. So yeah, this basically left Lewis the consummate adventurer, the guy who was out being fucking wild. Bill's guy what's his name bills wild bear guy the bear guy oh my god can someone please teleport in front of me and tell me what bear gills it's something 
he went from being an adventurer to a desk job. And yeah, it's a big change of pace. It's not what he was wanting. Everyone knew that he was visibly upset and also like was becoming extremely erratic in his behavior. And yes, you could blame it on the bipolar disorder, which I do agree may have put some part into it. But another theory, in fact, that I learned and possibly why they kept this out of the history book was that he was suffering from a scientific term that I am way too drunk to read and I refuse out of pure I'm going to be made fun of, but it is late, late stages of syphilis. Ooh, baby, don't be fucking silly. You wrap that willy. If you get stages of late syphilis, if you, if your syphili, if your syphilis strategizes into like the grown, matured syphilis, you can get dementia. Your brain literally starts to like rot. I mean, it's insane. It's so, and this is the 1800s. We don't have the medication that, or they don't have the medication that we have now. So yeah, he's just kind of along for the ride. So they theorized that he either had this syphilis, which was, I guess, like in some uh, journal entry, maybe validated. It was either that or mercury poisoning, which he, in, I guess, a similar journal entry had said, like, he had gotten a venereal disease, which is like, aka syphilis, right? So (laughs) they took mercury back in the day in order to cure this. Yes, this is actually a fact. Do not come for me or say I'm stupid. This I do know because I read it on an article with the dot org at the end and obviously like the mad hatter's disease mercury makes you a little crazy so he was acting real cray cray (laughs) um he actually was said after the expedition right before his death uh like on the boat ride i'm really sorry i don't know where he was coming from but i know that he was going like to the states uh and he ended up dying somewhere in tennessee so somewhere around there he was taking a boat ride and in that boat ride he had actually attempted suicide multiple times and everyone on the boat was like oh you know he's just he's on his man period let's just put him in the room give him some dremamine like he's cool he's chill just let it be it'll be good but yeah it mm. so i guess like people don't know what to call it call it fate call it unprotected sex he just was not having a good time and he was really unraveling and from my account like there was some trail and it was like a long trail it could take like up to four weeks to complete this trail and he was doing the trail to get to a place to I guess settle some finances to do some stuff to better his life to kind of like get his foot in the door he's going to try and turn his life around he's going to be a better person. He's going to try and be happy. And so on the trail, he's like 40 miles in or something like that. And he finds an inn. And so it's basically like, I guess, I don't know if you went camping back in the day, like how that worked, but all the inns were aligned along this trail. So it was just one of the random inns that was on this trail. He goes in and the only account that we have of what happens this night 
comes from the innkeeper, the mistress of the tavern, Mrs. Grinder. Uh, in one article that I read, someone was calling her Priscilla. So I guess that's her name. Hi, Priscilla. So she says that as soon as Lewis arrived, it kind of varies. Like in certain accounts, he has a ser- servant. Uh, some he doesn't. I think he was known to have servants, so it wouldn't be like that far off. But either way, he gets there, the servants follow shortly behind, and he kind of is just acting really strange, makes a huff and a puff, and just wants to go up into his room. And once he gets into the room, he begins to pace and talk aloud to himself, like they can hear him through the walls, kind of saying that he's like a lawyer and judging himself and just being hardcore and doing some real self-hate. So it was shortly after this, like sometime in the night, a couple of hours later, the sun's down. From my accounts, it was a new moon or like not a a moon wasn't out. So it was pretty fucking pitch black out. And all of a sudden she hears a gunshot and she's like, what the fuck? And then she hears a, oh Lord. And then after that, she hears a second pistol shot. And after this, she's obviously freaked out. She's like, what the fuck is going on? Kind of like, I imagine, does a little eye creak out the door and sees Lewis staggering from his room, crying for help. Now she says that he states, oh, madame, give me some water and heal my wounds. Now what does she do? Hmm. <laughs> she says no thank you and she closes the door <laughs> i'm like put that bitch in jail <laughs> what the fuck what in the actual fuck that i mean i guess i know you don't have a phone you can't call 911 but the fact that like some dude legit just asked you for help and you're just gonna slam the door and not do anything and you know what she does after that once the sun rises up She sends the servants into his room to see what the fuck is going on. And apparently, okay, get this, get this. I was sent into a dizzy. He was busily engaged and cutting himself from head to foot with a razor. Uh Uh-huh. What? You're telling me that a guy that has just been shot twice is trying to cut himself with a razor from head to foot. I mean, I have enough comments to say about that, but we will get to that. We'll pinhole that for later. So it was shortly after they found him like gasping for life, barely alive, that he tragically died from the abdomen wound that was conflicted. But I guess the big mystery is, did he kill himself or did someone do it to him? Because this is all largely based on Mrs. Grinder's theories on her story. And then when someone goes back like 30 years later to talk to her, she changes her shit. I think like, ooh. I don't think I wrote down the second theory. Ooh, I'm bad. Okay, so I was reading that she saw, oh, he had waved some guns. He had waved, so he had multiple guns, okay? He's like 
traveling on a trail it's really dangerous so he had guns and he was waving his guns over at some dudes and it was just really sketch but the fact like okay i know that it's been 30 years and i don't remember what i had to eat five hours ago but the fact that it's so drastically changed and i mean i don't know it's just okay so i'm getting ahead of myself let's get into the theories on to why this is so sketchy so since it's all largely based on one account i mean it puts a huge hole in it in the first place but another thing is the guy itself i mean lewis was a superb marksman he knew how to use a gun him and clark had been out trailing the trails before that he had been in the army I mean, he knew how to use a gun and it seems, I know that it's possible for you to shoot yourself in the head and survive, especially during suicide attempts. But then to do another abdomen shot, I mean, why wouldn't you go for the heart? Why? It seems weird to even do two shots in one suicide attempt. I don't know necessarily how the pistols worked. So I was talking to one guy and he was like, there's no way that it could have worked because of the guns back then. You had to take 15 minutes to reload. So there was a pistol that he possibly used, probably did use. And it could have been possible for him to do a little one too. But I mean, just the pain. I It's, it's hard. I, as someone who does not like pain and does not like that, I don't know. It's something that I ponder upon. It's something that I've been thinking about for the last five minutes, you know? So, I don't know. And on top of that, I mean, there were valid threats. Even if, I mean, there were some rumors that maybe, you know, Mr. Syphilis was given it to Mrs. Uh, Grinder and the husband found out and possibly killed him. Could have been that there were bandits in the area. I mean, the trail that they were on was known to be extremely, extremely dangerous. Could have been so easy. And if Mrs. Grinder was saying 30 years down the road that some guys were randomly waving the gun, then yeah, I mean, it just feeds into that theory. And there was also a general by the name of James Wilkinson, who was actually the commander of the U.S. Army was known to take care of the competition so he had already like pretty for sure we know that he had already killed one of his possible enemies in the political field and lewis was definitely on his radar they had hit heads it's really up in the air and scientists are a little confused as to what really went down themselves. There's a really valid, I guess, um, statement that when his body was exhumed in 1848, so a little less than 40 years before or after he died, uh, they wanted to build a monument on top of his grave or like make something really nice for him. And so when they took his body out, to build that monument for him, the scientists had said that there was actually a hole in the back of Lewis's skull that 
I mean, if you're trying to commit suicide, that just wouldn't have been possible. It was as if someone was execution style was shooting him. <laughs> Does that make sense? It was in the back of his head and it couldn't, like, he couldn't have reached around and done it. He could have, but it's not how people commit suicide. That's not how they do it. So there was even a campaign in 1924 to make the site a national monument and in that campaign, it stated that Lewis was murdered. So, I mean, it's not a, like, passed on theory. This is something that historians actually really widely debate. And it's so wild. I mean, why don't you just double check it? And I mean, scientists are trying to do exactly that. They have some of Lewis's mitochondrial DNA, or I guess they're trying to get it, and they want to compare it to the DNA that they have to female descendants in order to confirm, one, if this body under the monument is even Jefferson, or not Jefferson's, I'm sorry, Lewis's, and two, to see if there's gunpowder residue that they can test for to see if it's short range or long range, which I didn't even know was possible after such a long time. But they also want to look at the fraction fracture fractions are also good for life. But we are talking about fracture patterns in the skull and see uh, his health in terms of like drug use or syphilis or like whatever was going on in his life, which you can detect drugs and bones. I don't know. I saw that in an article, maybe just one. But unfortunately, uh, there are some laws on national parks that you cannot exhume people that are buried there or you can't like national. So like national parks, if someone dies there, you can't mess with their body if it's buried. Unless it's like a, this is a monument and there's a rule and you can't break said rule. And yeah, I just don't think a lot of, like, there aren't enough people to, like, make a stir about it to get them to break the rule. And I just don't think it's anything that we're going to be finding out in the near future unless someone wants to fund or to try and campaign to get this little national or I guess big national park rule out but either way it is up in the air and it's hard to tell usually I am leaning towards one or the other and this one's could be either or his mom until the day she died really insisted that he was murdered that there was no way that he would have taken his life at least in that way and his friends Clark and Jefferson were kind of on opposite sides they had said that it was suicide they definitely believed that it could have been that due to his family history um they just like really weren't shocked by the fact that he was gone. It was honestly something that they were expecting. So it's kind of hard to say. I mean, like, I can definitely understand him committing suicide, especially after his prior history. But it's the double tap for me. I mean, it's the why would you take two shots? And then after those failed shots, why would you go to the razor? And then after you go through the pain of a shot, like you can go through the pain of inflicting a fatal wound on a razor, even though he ends up dying, like it's not from any cut wounds. It's from eventual blood loss. 
over an abdomen gunshot, which can take hours. I mean, it can take a while. It's not like it just like happened immediately. So he even asked the mistress of the tavern for help. It's I don't know. I I think he was I think he was murdered. I'm going to say that he was murdered. What do you think? Comment down below. But yeah. Oh my gosh. I need to learn how to end these. It's kind of hard. Just me talking by myself. I don't know when to stop or when to shut up. I don't have anyone to tell me anything. <laughs> but yeah, guys, that was the very mysterious death of Lewis and not Lewis and Clark, just Lewis. But yeah, I mean, like I'm up in the air. I don't know. I think he was murdered. For sure. Mm, but it could also be suicide. I don't know. I'm going to debate on it for about 45 more minutes while I soak in this bath and think about all my life choices. But at least I'll feel good knowing that successful people can be depressed too. This has been Drunk Mysteries in History by the Red Rem and Red Wine Podcast. Be sure to follow all of our socials, R-A-R-W Podcast. And until next time, be sure to drink with friends.